Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. We're starting a new quarter, and we're looking at 8th century Judah with a focus on prophecy and specific prophets, including Isaiah, will be part of the study. And the text for this week's lesson comes from 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 17, chapter 18, verses 13 through 16, and chapter 18, verses 31 through 37. And I'll read from the NIV. God's word reads, All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord, their God, that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. At every high place, they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that provoked the Lord to anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, You shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your fathers to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their fathers who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their fathers and the warnings he had given them. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them Do not do as they do, and they did the things the Lord had forbidden them to do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord, their God, and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to the starry host, and they worshipped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sorcery and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. That was 2 Kings 17, 7 through 17. Now 18, 13 through 16. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah 
and captured them. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. I have done wrong. Withdraw from me and I will pay whatever you demand of me. The king of Assyria exacted from Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. At this time, Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped off the gold with which he had covered the doors and doorposts of the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria. And now, verses 31 through 37, chapter 18. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine and fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Seraphim, Hena, and Ava? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, Do not answer him. Then Elakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asfa, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. Praise God's holy and divine word. Over centuries of Old Testament history, prophets played an important role. They had a a spontaneity and a restless sense that God expected more spiritually of the nation. This sentiment remains true today. God expects more from us. Immorality flourished then and it flourishes now. The poor and helpless only managed for themselves then and we still suffer with the scourge of poverty and homelessness. In the text that we studied today, Israel became like the nations around them. Moses had given a law. The task of the prophet was to call the nation back to Moses when it strayed. It is hardly without cause that historians have called the prophet's 
God's covenant enforcers. Unlike the kings, one did not take the the mantle or the responsibility of a prophet because his father had paved the way for him. Notice Judges 8, verses 22 through 23. No tribe of Israel, unlike the Levites, was set forth as prophets. The prophetic task might go to the young or the old. All that mattered was a call from God. Notice Jeremiah 5, verse 6, and Amos 7, verse 14. A call from God and a burning desire to speak. A burning desire, the necessity, a spiritual desire that compelled them to speak when others were silent. For centuries, the power in the Middle East centered alternately in Babylon, in lower Mesopotamia and Assyria, north of the Tigris River. The principal cities of Assyria were Ashur and Nineveh. In the middle part of the 8th century BC, Assyria was the principal power. About 701 BC, the Assyrian emperor Sennacherib surrounded Jerusalem when Hezekiah was king of Judah, but miraculous intervention saved the city. Prophets in Judah were Micah in the countryside and Isaiah in Jerusalem. The 8th century B.C. is called the Golden Age of Hebrew Prophecy. It was an uncertain and dangerous time, politically speaking. Fiefdoms and walled cities dominated the political landscape. Under the direction of Hezekiah, Judah was able to maintain its independence. After Sennacherib went home, the southern kingdom gained some strength. But in time, Babylon in southern Mesopotamia became a greater power than Nineveh and the Assyrian Empire ever had been. Rather than protecting the northern kingdom from invasion and defeat, God allowed them to be conquered. Israel collapses under the weight of its rebellion. This rebellion showed itself in idolatry, corruption. And this corruption led to decay. And decay resulted and continues to result in death. Idol worship is not a neutral condition for any city or any society, or any people. Idol worship has consequences. Consequences are sin, and sin brings about spiritual death.
God had brought Israel into a covenant relationship with himself. That covenant promised nationhood and a homeland. Notice Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9, and 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 23 through 61. God delivered these promises and stood ready to do more. God is a God of infinite power and potential promises if we ask and follow him. Notice Deuteronomy uh, chapters 27. No nation could take God's promises from Israel, for they were founded upon God's perfect character. The promises remain, but they could be forfeited. And Israel did so day by day, decision by decision. The devil is certainly in the details. Sin by sin, Rebellion by rebellion, God's people squandered their hope. When God's people obeyed him, all was well. Prosperity reigned on the land, crops were plentiful, and the enemies were kept at arm's length. Faithfulness, though, was an issue a required commitment. Repeatedly, many Israelites seemed to reason that the more gods they served, the better it would be for them, small g. The God who brought them out of Egypt was Israel's principal God, but Baal supplied rain and his consort, Asherah, caused the land to produce wheat and oil. Baal wore names more numerous than the stars that lit up the night sky. With the Baals came immorality, idolatry, and ultimately jealousy from Yahweh. God sent prophets to warn, but the nation paid little attention. Statutes, and ordinances from God were increasingly ignored. Shrines appeared on every high point of ground to a multiple of gods. In the law, Moses had promised that Israel would suffer when she turned to other gods, and suffer she did. Cursed Shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country, Moses had said. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Deuteronomy 28, verses 16 through 17. Hosea pleaded, For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God, 
in the land. That's Amos 4, verse 1. And he added, You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquities. The author of Kings summed up the Lord rejected all descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he cast them out of his sight, 2 Kings 17, verse 20. The prophet Isaiah's ministry occurred in Judah during the midst of this turmoil. In fact, his efforts spanned from King Uzziah's final year until the reign of King Hezekiah. Isaiah witnessed Israel's destruction by Assyria and he urged Judah to repent or face a similar fate. His task was a difficult one, for he was charged with proclaiming a message the people would neither understand nor perceive. Isaiah 6 and 9. Ultimately, they had been given over. God would use various pagan nations like Assyria to accomplish his sovereign will. Isaiah's prophetic commission will have the ironic but justly deserved effect of hardening the callous hearts of rebellious Israel and so rendering the warnings of judgment sure. Isaiah is quoted by Jesus in the parable of the sower. And Jesus says, This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of, his, of Isaiah. Matthew 13, verse 13 through 14. Jesus here, the master teacher, is exhorting through analogous examples the truth of his good news, recognizing the stiff-necked hearers' hearts will remain hardened. For the precious remnant in Jesus Christ, the Holy Seed, our intercessor, we find hope. Precious remnant, the few. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain. But the elect did. The others were hardened as it is written. Paul, from Romans 11, verse 7. The apostles' meaning as is that the unbelieving, through the influence of their own evil dispositions, were and continue to be so blinded that they did not, could not, will not 
discern the force of the evidence by which God confirmed the mission of his son and so excluded themselves from his covenant and his church. Also reference this theme in Mark 4, verse 12, and Luke 8, verse 10. In our narrative, Hezekiah followed the advice of Isaiah. When Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you had heard, those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen. I am going to put such a spirit in him that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. 2 Kings 19, verse 5 through 7. Judah was all that remained of the once strong and powerful kingdoms of David and Solomon. God has always maintained a remnant from his people, a remnant he saved. He was not yet ready to make exiles of Judah. Prophets from God would continue to declare his word to a people much smaller in number than they had been but still present. Sound familiar? Although God made a covenant with Israel and enjoyed a special relationship with the nation, his provisions were and continue to be contingent on continued obedience. If the people obeyed his voice, he promised to exalt them high above all the nations of the earth, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. When Israel persisted in sinful rebellion and showed no signs of turning back, 2 Kings 17, verse 7 through 18, God used the Assyrians to punish his own people. Since Joshua led Israel into the conquest of Canaan, change had taken place in the religious life and the morality of the people. The nation had largely failed to obey the words of Moses. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, the lawgiver had said, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over, the Jordan, to go in and possess. Deuteronomy 30, verse 17 through 18. Prophecy... <clears throat> 
was one aspect of religious change. Deborah was a prophetess, Judges 4, verse 4, and a lone voice arose now and then to call the people to repentance. Before Samuel, prophets were graciously sent, but mostly spurned by the people. By the time of Isaiah in the 8th century B.C., prophetic voices were actively present. The name Isaiah means the Lord is salvation. Throughout his long prophetic ministry, he called upon individuals to turn to the Lord for deliverance. Although our lives in some respects are vastly different from those who lived in 8th century B.C. Judah, we remain and we are still in desperate need of God. We stand at a precipice of a world similarly being engulfed in idolatry and hedonistic search for self-indulgence, disconnected culture, culture wars, false prophets who beat the airwaves with foolishness, ignorance, hatred, and confusion. As Christians, we increasingly recognize our remnant status and our sanctified responsibilities. Therefore, it is incumbent upon us to continue to persevere and hold up the righteous banner of Jesus Christ. Judah escaped Assyria because of the humility of King Hezekiah and God's will. God deals with us in a similar way. If we live selfish, rebellious life, thinking only of ourselves and our power, our thoughts, our intentions, we have no hope. If we trust and obey, we are confident of better things. Hebrews 5 verse 9. We live in the eternal now with an unrestrained hope of heaven. This lesson is yours. I pray that something has been said that is both uplifting and edifying. Next week's lesson comes from 1 Samuel 7, verses 3 through 14, chapter 12, 1 through 7, and chapter 20, verses 8 through 12. The title of next week's lesson is Prophecy and Change in Judah. Let's pray together, family. It is with deep humility and reverence we approach your throne of grace this day. We recognize your Father. We recognize you, Father, as the King of all creation. You are our God who sits high and looks low. You are Yahweh, God, all by yourself. We thank you, Father, 
for all the many gifts and favors you have bestowed upon us even down to this very day. No gift is greater than the gift of your only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whom, by whom, and through whom the mystery has been revealed. We have hope of eternal life with you, Father, if we live a faithful and righteous life, and if it be your will. Father God, we approach you this day with confidence in the fact that you are present and that you will answer our prayers in your time and consistent with your sovereign agenda. Help us, Father, to continue to recognize and follow your will and your way. Help us to continue to study and apply your holy and divine word. Father, we pray for the sick and shut-in. We pray that your loving arms of protection envelop them and sustain them in their hour of need. Father, we pray for those who do not know you yet. Please give them the space and time to come to know you before it is eternally too late. Father, we pray for those who are in mourning this day. Lift them up. Embolden us to be active support systems for all in need. Father, we pray for bold and enlightened leadership in your church. Continue to stand with the deacons and elders to shepherd your people. Help us, Father, to continue to work diligently in your garden. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the most holy name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen. Again, family, thanks for being a part of this study on prophecy and change in Judah. Reach out in love this week. Communicate through texts, cards, and phone calls to support the saints. Stay safe and joyful. Bye for now.